This is episode 143, Step Off the Codependent Path and Break Generational Patterns with Sandy. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the show. So if you listened to Coach's Corner last week, you know I was in New York City over the weekend, and I'm recording this in New York City, and you're probably going to hear sirens and sounds and honks because it's New York City, and I'm in my hotel room, and it's kind of just unavoidable. So I apologize for that. But hey, I'm giving you feel of Manhattan, right? It feels real. I actually put a little story up on my Instagram stories the second day after I arrived about how important it is to protect our energy. I arrived here from Encinitas and I'd been there about the past two weeks and just really have been taking it easy after all my travel and was stealing lots of healers and was nursing my foot. And I get to New York and it's like, whoa, millions of people and sounds and loud. And I was at dinner with some friends the first night I arrived and all of a sudden I started feeling dizzy at dinner. And I'm like, why am I feeling dizzy? I'm not hungry. I'm hydrated. And then I remembered, oh, I didn't protect my energy. So you're probably thinking, what is she talking about protecting her energy? Well, we're all energetic beings. Whether we know it or not, we're sensitive to energy. And when we enter an environment where there's a lot of energy flying around and being a crowded space or lots of traffic or just an intensity, we tend to pick up what's around us. And so what happened for me is my system kind of got a little overwhelmed with the energy and that's why I was starting to feel a little bit dizzy. So I knew what it was and I just imagined a, and I explained this in my Instagram story and I actually wrote an article about different ways you can protect your energy and I'll link that up in the show notes. I wrote it about a year ago, did an article and a video so you can watch and and read that. But just what I did in that moment in the restaurant was I just imagined a column of white light just pouring over me, clearing me of anything that didn't belong to me, clearing my energy, and then wrap myself up in white light. Like I imagine wrapping myself up in white light like a cocoon. And you can do that. You can imagine a cube of light. If you don't like white light, it can be a purple heart, whatever. But it's just really, really important to protect your energetic field. And if you want to learn a little bit more about that, then click on the link that I'm going to put in the show notes for you about protecting your energy. Got another great call for you today. If you're feeling overwhelmed, scared, or at a crossroads, you're going to love this episode. Also, if you're struggling with making a decision or breaking free of some of the patterns you know are unhealthy and not setting you on the most ideal life path, you will get a ton of value from today's episodes. Two reminders and invitations before we dive in. My masterclass training for anyone who wants to build a business as a wellness entrepreneur, June 30th and July 1st in San Diego is filling up. Go to christinehauser.com slash coach training. I assure you investing in yourself, investing in your business is the best investment you can make. Come and join us. If you resonate with me and my work, I promise you, you will receive a ton of value. Also, I am headed to Europe in July and I'm teaching a workshop July 21st in London. We've got the page up for that, christinehasser.com slash London. This is open to men and women. It's a one day retreat to get over it and on with it. Lots of good stuff for you at this retreat, including an hour yoga class. So sign up soon because it is limited spacing. And we have a new sponsor this week, which I'm really excited about, which is Floor. 
They create expertly crafted, sustainably produced perfumes without the bad stuff sold at an honest price. It's really a great way of discovering and experiencing fragrance. So finding the right perfume for you is kind of like falling in love. We'll make this romantic since we're talking about fragrance. There's that initial whiff of attraction. Then as time goes on, you discover all these additional layers and you realize, oh wow, this is the one for me. But finding the perfect perfume with the pure ingredients isn't always so easy and wonderful. That's why I'm here to tell you about a company who's bringing the feeling back to fragrance, which is Fleur, spelled P-H-L-U-R. So consider Fleur your funny friend who happens to know a lot about fragrance. Instead of testing a scent on a strip of paper or worse, being ambushed in a busy department store, you get to know each of Fleur's scents with pictures, words, and music on their site. If you like what you hear and see, odds are you'll like the scent. Then you actually try them on your own skin at your own place and pace. Each Fleur scent is created by world-class perfumers and is inspired by real moments for your real life. And because all that matters is what you like, their scents are gender-free. The best part, Floor is completely transparent. They tell you every ingredient in their perfumes and why it's there. No secrets, no nasty ingredients, and no BS. They create sustainably crafted, award-winning fragrances delivered with transparency at an honest price. What's not to fall in love with? So go to floor.com today and use promo code over it to get 20% off your custom Floor sample set. Pick three scents to try and get credit towards a full-size bottle of your favorite. Promo code again is over it at floorphlur.com to try three floor fragrances of your choice at 20% off floor.com. Promo code over it. All right. I really love today's episode because it's another example of how we always know the answer, even when we feel like we're at a crossroads or don't know what to do. Often we just need someone to validate what we're already feeling is the best choice, which is exactly what today's episode is about. I also give some valuable coaching in this episode around codependence, relationships with addicts, and how to break generational patterns. So listen in, even if you do not relate to what Sandy describes as her quarter-life crisis crossroads, because this episode is great for anyone at any age. As you're listening to this call, consider, are you at a crossroads? Are there some decisions you're struggling with? Do you not want to repeat the lives of your parents or one of your parents, but you see yourself going down a similar path? Can you identify with being a little codependent? Were you enmeshed with one of your parents? Was one of your parents an addict? Do you find yourself in a relationship with an addict right now? And finally, do you really trust yourself to make your own decisions? Are you good with responsibility and taking care of things, but when it comes to really trusting yourself, you struggle? So keep these questions in mind as you listen to my coaching call with Sandy. Sandy, welcome to the show. What's your question? Hi, Christine. Thank you so, so much for having me. Yeah. Um, my question revolves around what I feel like is my quarter life crisis. I really feel like I'm at a huge crossroads and I'm just feeling overwhelmed and scared and kind of paralyzed by it all. Okay. So what's the crossroads? <laughs> well, I am in a, I'm getting ready to turn 26. I'm in a four year relationship uh, I live in a very small, very remote town where uh, it's been pretty lonely for me. I'm in a relationship with a much older man. He's uh, 40, has a, a young daughter. Um, so I've got that whole issue, but it, it's been my first really serious relationship. My first time I've lived with a guy, all of those sorts of things. And 
I've felt, you know, torn about this relationship because he has some addiction issues and it's definitely into partying and things that don't really align with the person that I've grown into. And uh, just a couple weeks ago, I got a job offer from the same company that my dad works for, and it's making $60,000 a year, which is a huge step up from the amount of money that I'm making waiting tables right now. It would actually give me a chance to use my education, but it would require me to move away. Thus, my relationship would most likely end. Okay. What happened in your life that made you have to grow up so fast? Um, God, sorry. I don't mean to get emotional. Um, I grew up, I mean, I had a great childhood, but, um, my dad was a severe alcoholic, um, still is. Um, I mean, he was a great dad when, when he was there and my parents are still married, but I definitely felt like I grew up with a single parent. I feel like my mom had to do the the job of both the mom and the dad. And other than being a really great financial provider for my family, my dad wasn't really there. Mm-hmm. Right. So when one of the parents isn't there, what do you think happens to the kid? They take on a lot of that responsibility. Yep. Yeah. So there's, there's two things happening here. Number one, you're 26 chronologically, but that's, that's in terms of the pressure you put on yourself and where you think you are in your life. You're like 46. (laughs) Yeah. I definitely feel that way. (laughs) Yeah. And in addition to that, so, so every, you know, choices we make at 46 have, have, a little bit more consequential impact than 26 because we're farther along in our life. Often we have families, um, so on and so forth. So that's part of the reason that, that you're feeling, um, a little bit overwhelmed. So we've got that going on. Then we have trying to get the love that you've never really felt from your father through dating an older man. Yeah. So from my point of view, you're not, really at a crossroads in terms of the choice, because the choice seems glaringly obvious to me. And I'm sure people that will be listening to this as well. Yeah. (laughs) And to me too. So what's glaringly obvious to you? And this is a gift from the universe, this job offer, and that I need to take it and see where it takes me. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing is it's taking you out of the situation you're in now. Yeah. Because there's a couple things, you know, first that he's that much older, which if you were 30 and he were 46 or you were 35 and he was 51 or something like that, maybe it'd be less of an issue, but you started dating him when you were 22, which again, I know you feel like a grown up, but you were 22. It's very young. You're just figuring out who you are. And, and because now you also are telling me he is an addict, that's again, dad, and that's you falling back into codependent patterning. Exactly. And I mean, my mom has even told me that, like she knows about my boyfriend's issues and, you know, she's seen firsthand our relationship and she's like, oh my gosh, like this reminds me so much 
of your dad and like, look where I am. Do you want to end up like me? Good question. And I mean, not, not to say that my mom's had a horrible life, but I mean, she gave up working after I was born to take care of me and now is financially dependent on my dad and probably would have left the relationship a long time ago had it not been for that. So your mom asked you a good question. I don't like that. Okay, great. Well, (laughs) so, so that's the crossroads. You're either going to go down a path where you are creating the life that you want, or you're going to go down mom's path. Yeah. Now the problem is mom's path feels real familiar. And how, how, you know, (laughs) I know. And how, you know, love from a man is, is in that caretaker, emotionally unavailable codependent addict way. But what I want to tell you, Sandy, is that you're worth so much more than that. Thank you. And your dad not being there emotionally had nothing to do with your shortcomings or you are not being enough, or you're not taking good enough care of him. It had more to do with his own demons that made him think he was unlovable. See, it's it's really important to hear this. As children, it's very hard for us to comprehend how a parent can't love us. However, remember, parenting doesn't come with a manual. All parents were kids. All parents are human. And when someone has severe trauma from their own childhood, abandonment, or maybe he had addiction or abuse. There's something where addiction became his way out, his way to numb his own feelings. And with most addicts, they have incredibly low self-worth. And when love comes their way, even though it's the thing they want the most, it's the thing that scares them the most. And for someone who has such low self-love and addictive tendencies, when they have a child and all this unconditional love comes their way because no one loves you more unconditionally than your child when it's little, right? They, they, it's almost like system overload. They can't handle it. And so either they physically or emotionally leave, but unfortunately you didn't understand that. So you personalized it. I remember asking my mom when I was little, like uh, if I was the reason that my dad drank so much. Yeah. So I want your 26-year-old to speak to that little girl who asked that question. What would she say? She would say no, that you know, my dad had a really rough childhood, and he's just trying to deal with it the best way that he knows how. And even though he couldn't show up as the best dad, I know he's doing the best that he possibly could with what he had been given. Yeah. And that's a great explanation, but sometimes little kids have a hard time understanding explanations. So what I want to say to her is, oh, sweetheart, I can totally understand why you feel that way. I can totally understand why you're sad. And I know it's hard because you love your dad so much, but just know this is not your fault. You are so lovable. You are so enough. You are such a bright light. And for whatever reason, sometimes it's hard for for daddy to to really feel that. But don't dim your light. Thank you. So my recommendation for you, Sandy, would be a couple things. Say yes to the opportunity to get out. Two, get yourself an Al-Anon. 
Okay. Yeah, you need it so that you stop. My mom has suggested it to me before. She said that it absolutely changed her life. That sounds like a good endorsement. And the sooner you start to deal with this, and today's call is a great first step, you know, I don't want you to just go, the, the, getting out and getting into the job isn't going to be enough to pull you out of this. It's a, mm-hmm. the universe kind of co-creating and working with you, but you want to work with it as well by going, okay, the job is the wake up call. The job is my eject button. It's my, it's my <laughs> get, get out of jail, you know, pass but you want to keep that momentum going by going, I don't want to keep repeating this pattern because you could move to this new city, start this new job. There's this 45 year old man that works there. And all of a sudden you're back in the pattern. Mm-hmm. So I would put a no dating policy on myself for a year. Okay. I would get into Al-Anon. I would, who knows with the new job, if you'll have like healthcare or counseling or, or whatever, I would I get, will. Great. I would get a counselor to work with and I would be so grateful for my past. I'd be so grateful for a mother who is saying, basically what she's saying is I couldn't get out of this, but you can. Yeah. And don't think that loving her is being in solidarity because oftentimes we think we don't want to leave someone behind you know, Mm -hmm. and on a weird unconscious level, we sometimes think being like them is how we show love and loyalty. I could see that, but that's not for your highest good or hers. So how do I find that courage within me to, you know, look at this man who I do love and deep down isn't what I would call a horrible person or anything and say, Hey, I've got to take this opportunity and leave like, because I feel like it's going to crush him. And it's also going to crush a part of me too. So part of codependence is over responsibility for other people's feelings. Mm -hmm. So that's just, I'm not surprised you're saying this. You're never going to wake up and be like, I'm totally ready to share this news with him and move. And this feels amazing. Don't wait for that feeling. It's not going to happen. Okay. It's going to be, it's sort of like standing in front of a cold pool, hoping it's just going to miraculously warm up. Mm-hmm. It's not, you just have to jump in. So courage is in the absence of fear. It's moving forward in the face of fear anyway. So here's, here's how to frame it inside your head. I want you to imagine yourself 20 years from now. Now let's just even say 10, 10 years from now, you're 36 years old. You have two kids. You gave up on your career because you married someone who was a lot older, wanted to have kids right away. They had a bit of an addictive personality, so they were a bit controlling. So you kind of had kids before you wanted to. They said they were going to just take care of you financially, so you gave up your career. And now you're 36 with two young kids. You realize that you're either married to an addict or a narcissist. You don't have financial empowerment, and you gave up on your dreams. That's a pretty scary reality to face. Okay. What feels scarier, that or breaking up with this guy? Um, Definitely looking at that 36-year-old who has no power. Great. So write that out if you need to. Write out, like if you keep going down this road, what your life's going to look like. 
and your mom's a good example. And yeah. let that be terrifying. Okay. And you can acknowledge him. Of course, you can say, I love you. I learned so much. Thank you. These are all the things I appreciate about you. And I, I don't want to end up resenting you. I need to go live my life. And I'm afraid if I don't take this opportunity, I am. And I've got some stuff I need to work out with my own dad. And this just isn't healthy. Yeah. And so I have to go. And, and I highly encourage you, Sandy, because you're going to be tempted to do the long distance thing to try to make it work. Addicts are really good about selling you back into the situation. This is why Al-Anon is so important at this time. Every time you're tempted to go back or stay or whatever, or move and still try in the relationship, read that 36 year old scenario that I just came up with. I mean, you can make it your own, but read that and be like, if I okay. continue down this path, this is where I'm headed. And whatever choice you make is fine. Just know where you're going. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Let me ask you one more question. How many times did you hear or did you get the impression or did your dad say, or did you hope that he would change? Oh, I always did. And he would say that he was going to, or tell my mom that he was going to. And I mean, sometimes it would last for, you know, six months or so, but then it was always right back to the same. And I've always been hoping that this guy would change, <laughs> which I know is not good. Well, but you know, it's also complete insanity. Like you've seen yeah. for 26 years, your dad says he's going to change, change for a little bit. That's what hooks you back in. And then you're back to the same way it was before. Exactly. He's not going to change, no. but you can change the course of your life. You're right. I mean, I, I should know. I mean, I can never change someone, anybody nope. but myself, but. Also, by the same token, I feel like once somebody is 40 years old, they're pretty set in their ways, too. Yep. May, who knows? Maybe someday he'll wake up, he'll get sober, whatever. But honestly, for you, I would highly encourage you not to date addicts, even if they're sober. Yeah. Because, and, and for the sober people listening, I acknowledge you. I respect you. You so deserve love. Absolutely. However, when a recovering addict and someone that grew up with an addict come together, oftentimes it's hard for both because the, the, the person that grew up with an addict has this unconscious perpetual fear that the person will relapse and go back into it. And so mm -hmm. it can be challenging for both people. And you can completely see that. So no dating, get to Al-Anon take this job, get a counselor and write out that scenario of what your life could look like. Okay. And, and I know that, you know, it sounds like a lot, like I'm telling you what to do, but didn't you already know all this before you even got on the phone with me? Uh, yes, I did. That's yeah. the thing I was going to say, thank you so much, but it, I do. I knew in my heart all along. Yeah. How do you feel? I feel like a huge weight has just been lifted off my shoulders and that I can breathe for the first time in God knows how long. Okay. So that's feedback. That's how, you know, you're making the quote unquote right choice. And by that, the aligned choice, 
So you said at the beginning, you felt overwhelmed and scared. Do you still feel overwhelmed and scared? I still feel a little scared, but I don't feel so overwhelmed now. Okay. And what are you scared of? Hurting someone. Okay. So just know that's part of the codependent part. So just know that that's not possible. We can't hurt someone unless we literally go up and punch them in the face. You're not just going to go into his house, call him a bunch of names, walk out and just be a complete jerk about it. You're going to be honest. You're going to share your feelings and honestly staying with someone in an unhealthy relationship is more hurtful than honoring the truth and making the healthy choice. He's going to be upset. Let that be okay. You're right. I never really thought about it like that. It's even more harmful to just keep this whole thing going on. Yeah. And it's interesting because a lot of times people with addiction in their family that are in that codependent role a little bit, they think they're going to hurt the person by leaving and and they'd help more by staying. But the thing that gets most addicts sober is wake up calls and loss. So I don't want you to hook into this because I don't want you to take any responsibility for helping him. But in the bigger picture, the chances of him being quote unquote helped by you go way up if you leave. Yeah, completely. So put on your big girl pants, not 46, just 26. (laughs) Take the action. When would you be moving? As soon as I want, the people from the company are actually coming here to this like remote town where I live next week to like lay out the proposal for me. Great. Say yes. Okay. I can do it. Yes, you can. And you want to do it. You want this. You want a road of of freedom and health and emotional availability and relationship. And it starts with you. That's why I'm saying no dating for a year. Do Al-Anon, get some, get a counselor. You know, the universe has kind of opened up this new road for you. Now you need some help paving it. Definitely. Because you only have the cement and all the tools for this road that your mom has paved. You don't know this other road. It's a little unfamiliar. So get some help. Get, okay. Get your construction crew. <laughs> That's ironic because this job is actually in the construction industry. <laughs> oh my, I was wondering why that image kept coming in. That is so funny. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Christine, thank you so, so much. It's my pleasure. I acknowledge Sandy for bringing this question to me and for her willingness to take the advice. I'm going to guess that as you were listening to her describing the crossroads she was at, that the choice that was ultimately best for her was pretty clear to you. I mean, you don't need a life coach, therapist, or psychic to see that getting out of a relationship with an older man who's also an addict to pursue a good job in a new town was most likely the choice that was going to set her on a healthier life path. So why was she confused? Why was she overwhelmed? Why was she doubting that choice? Well, first, it's age. Even though in a lot of ways she had to grow up so fast, Sandy still was only 26. She only has 26 years on the planet. And at 26, most of us really struggle with those big life decisions because we don't yet have the life experience to help inform our choices and really trust ourselves. If you're in your 20s, go read my first two books, 20-something, 20-everything, and the 20-something manifesto. The first one, 20-something, 20-everything, is just for women, but 20-something manifesto is for men and women. Believe me, I struggled a lot in my 20s. That's why I wrote the books. They will help you out. Even if you're in your early 30s, it still applies. 
Second, from a young age, Sandy has been in a generational pattern of taking care of others and people pleasing. So the fact that her decision was going to upset someone else, the boyfriend, was really unsettling because making self-honoring choices has not been her norm. But hopefully this coaching session sparked the start of many, many more of them. And P.S., I've said this before on the show, but it bears repeating because I know so many of you worry about upsetting other people. When you are delivering the truth with love, truly, truly, if the other person gets upset, it's their responsibility. Oftentimes the most loving choice is the honest choice. Loving someone doesn't mean placating to them. Loving someone doesn't mean staying in a situation that is not good for you because you don't want to hurt them. Often the decisions that hurt people the most help them the most. Truly. I can think back to when my ex-fiance broke up with me like six, seven months before our wedding and it was devastating, but I wouldn't be here hosting this podcast and doing what I'm doing had he not made that choice. So truly, often the decisions that you think hurt people the most help them the most. The other thing I see, and I saw this with Sandy, and I'm sure I'd see it with a lot of you listening, is that a lot of us struggle with accepting the good. I've fallen into this category as well. The universe opens a door, but walking through it often means leaving something else behind. As Sandy mentioned, she had a comfort zone in the pattern that she was in. So as much as she desires a different life, the life she's led so far was comfortable because it was familiar. I frequently see people turn down beautiful opportunities that feel risky or involve possibly disappointing others. And it hurts my heart because I know it's just fear, not truth, saying no. So let's break down this call a little more. I asked my first question to Sandy, what made you have to grow up so fast? Because I didn't want to dive right into the choice that was in front of her. I didn't want to start giving her advice on that. With the information that she gave me, I already knew that the most aligned choice was to go take the job. But first I had to get her into feeling out this decision rather than being in her head. As you heard that question, what made you have to grow up so fast, immediately triggered emotion. And we got into the story of her childhood, which she said was really good, except I had an alcoholic father. Hmm. That doesn't really sound so good to me. Sandy was well aware that she was playing out the issues of her childhood and looking for the love she did not get from her father by dating an older man. Remember, until we heal a lot of what hurt in our childhood, we will look for people, most often in dating and romantic situations, but it can also happen in friendships and with coworkers who remind us of the parent or parents who hurt us most. So if we have an emotionally unavailable addict father, we go out and find often an older man who is emotionally unavailable and an addict. So we keep kind of going to the same well with a different face, hoping that finally there will be water in it instead of really healing the pattern healing those core issues, loving ourselves, giving ourselves that love and breaking the pattern and going out and having relationships with a different kind of person. The other thing Sandy had going on was her sense of over-responsibility and a need to be an adult and figure out the rest of her life. When a child grows up with a single parent, which Sandy said her mom basically was because her dad wasn't really reliable, Sometimes, not always, he or she has to grow up more quickly and becomes a little enmeshed, almost like a surrogate spouse to the single parent. Then what tends to happen is that part of that child's identity is to be in a relationship as the caretaker in a caretaker role, which often leads to what a lot of us refer to as codependence. Now, I do want to take a moment and give massive props to Sandy's mom. I love her honesty. I love that Sandy's mom said to her, do you want to end up like me? Like, 
what amazing honesty. It sounds like her mom is really cheering her on. And the true crossroads she was at was, does she want her mom's path or does she want to carve a new path? Her mom's path feels super familiar and how she knows love from a man is in that caretaker, unemotionally available kind of way, but that doesn't have to be the path she goes down. She can break this pattern. And the other thing that is important to reiterate is I talked about sometimes when we love a person so much, like she loves her mom so much, unconsciously, or sometimes even consciously, there's this guilt that we're going to leave them behind if we pursue our own path. And so in solidarity, we walk down the same path and, and just recycle their misery, which is for no one's highest good. I also want to highlight what I said about Sandy's dad not being able to truly receive her love so that she doesn't have to take that personally anymore. It's very common when someone grows up like I'm sure her dad did in a difficult circumstance. Who knows if his parents were addicts? Who knows if he was abused? But at some point he stopped feeling like he was loved. You know, he stopped feeling like he mattered. He shut down his heart and he has probably walls around it. And love is probably hard for him because his self-love is probably pretty low. So here comes this child, this little girl, and you know, children are like these beaming love balls. And when we don't have that love inside ourselves, it can be scary. And the only thing that very shut down people who've been very, very hurt know what to do is just to close off the love and they become emotionally unavailable. And then the child takes that personally and thinks it's their fault, something's wrong with them, but it's not that at all. It's the fact that they're so freaking lovable that makes them hard to love. So if you have any of those limiting beliefs that you're not lovable, please, please, please hear me. You're so lovable. It was not your fault. The person that couldn't love you. It wasn't that they didn't love you. They just couldn't love you. They didn't know how because they didn't have that love inside themselves. Finally, I want to expand upon my advice to Sandy to not date someone with a current addiction or in recovery. Now, I know that many of you are sober and in recovery, and I am in no way saying that you don't deserve love <laughs> and that people that have had an addict in their family shouldn't be with you. However, I do encourage you to look for a person who did not grow up around addiction. Now, like I said, this is a massive generalization based on working with people over the past decade. Anything is possible. It can be very, very healing for someone who is sober to be with someone who grew up with an addict because they can do tremendous healing in that relationship together. You know, they can really recreate their past by living a new future. However, it takes two very committed people, people committed to their own growth and consciousness. So when old triggers come up and get triggered, they have self-responsibility and self-awareness to work those through and don't get back into that addict, Al-Anon, codependent kind of pattern. So in other words, it takes a high degree of consciousness and personal responsibility, but anything is possible. Anything is possible. And I have tremendous, tremendous respects for addicts and anyone who has a qualifying relationship with an addict because it is oh, it's such a spiritual path. Addiction is such a, a spiritual path and getting sober and getting into recovery and all the shadows and demons that you have to face in that process. I just bow to you with tremendous, tremendous respect. And I also bow to Sandy for her courage and she has a new road ahead of her, a new road and she just needs a little help paving it. So I encourage her to get a construction crew, to go to Al-Anon, to get a coach or a therapist, to stop dating for a while and to just pave her own road one step at a time. That's what's so cool about paving our own road. We don't have to do the whole freaking road. We just have to do one little step at a time. So some takeaways for you. If you have been in a relationship with an addict or you are now, I highly recommend Al-Anon. It is 
basically like AA, but for the people in a relationship with an addict. And I don't just mean romantic. It can be a parent, a brother, a sister, a friend, a coworker, whatever it is. But if you just Google it, there's tons of information on there. Second, if you're coming out of a relationship with someone, I really encourage don't date for a while, really get to know yourself. Because if we just go right into another relationship, we don't really learn the lessons from the one we just ended. Next, with a big decision or a scary decision, don't wait till you feel ready. Sandy asked, how do I find the courage to break up with my boyfriend? Well, I'm like, you just you just do it. <laughs> if you're waiting to feel totally ready and waiting till you think he's going to be okay with it, you're never going to do it. And like I said to Sandy, if you're scared about something, imagine a worst case scenario, project yourself in the future, cr- create a scenario that scares you more and let that scare you more so that you're not so scared about the decision that's right in front of you. And if you're at a crossroads and you really don't know what to do or you know what to do, but you just want a little validation and reassurance, seek the advice of a professional so you get clarity on which path is for your highest good and which one is more recreating old patterns. And finally, people say they're going to change and I truly believe they mean that, but actions speak much more louder than words. So if someone in your life keeps saying they're changing and they change for a little bit and then they go back to their old ways... It actually may be time for you to be the one that changes. And that often may mean changing right out of that relationship or putting some serious boundaries down. All right, everybody. Remember christinehasser.com slash coach training and christinehasser.com slash London for the masterclass in San Diego at the end of June and for my London workshop on July 21st. And again, the link to that article and video about how to protect your energy is in the show notes. Until next time, everybody, thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please share it with your friends. I love it when you spread the word. I always love it when you share on Instagram or Facebook and much love and many blessings. Thank you for listening to Over It Non With It. I love hearing from you. So please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe on iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehasler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings.